welcome back to the Sustainability Management Podcast. My name is Livrande Reiset and I'm a second year student here on this master program. Today, our students and the staff members from the USM have the opportunity to attend a sustainability research seminar. The day has been organized by our own associate professor, Niklas Kreander, and he has invited researchers and businesses uh, from the field of sustainability to hold short lectures for us. One of our guests today was Eva Nisten, uh, who held two presentations for us. One was a research presentation on a paper she is working on under the title Success and Failure of Ecosystem Strategies, the Ability of Solar Firms to Mitigate Environmental Uncertainty. And for her second presentation was under the title Sustainable Business Models. And Eva has traveled here to us all the way from Paris uh, to be with us at Campus Birthday. And we took this opportunity to invite her here into our podcast studio to share some more insights with you about her work. So hello, Eva. It's nice for you to be here with us. Hello. <laughs> so first off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, like your background? Um, so you mean personal background or? Personal, academic work. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, as the Brits say, originally from <laughs> the Netherlands. Um, so I'm from the south of the Netherlands. So it's uh, a city called Maastricht, where the EU treaty was uh, started. Um, so it's a part of the Netherlands that's different from the rest. So it's very, uh, it's more similar to, to Belgium. So I moved to the north of the country, uh, sort of the mid of the, the country, uh, in, let's say, 2002, and I had a bit of a culture shock. So <laughs> that was the only <laughs> culture shock I had in my life. After that, I lived in different countries. I lived in Italy, in the UK, and now in France uh, for, for my work. Um, but the longest period I lived in Rotterdam uh, in the Netherlands where I did my uh, PhD in economics at the Rotterdam School of Management. Um, and uh, after that, I spent one really nice year in uh, the European University Institute in Florence, um, which is a really nice place. So it's a place just to the north of Florence where there are only academics and PhD students. And it's a it's officially a space of Europe. Uh, so the good thing is you don't pay any taxes up there. Um, so I did my first research there on green innovation. So it's already quite some time ago. And uh, after that, I moved back to the Netherlands. I was uh, assistant professor at Utrecht. So Utrecht has a really nice center on uh, sustainable development. It's the Copernicus Institute of Sustainable Development. So it has been around for quite some time, but uh, when I was there, we had quite some students in sustainability, but, but the last years it has grown uh, exponentially. And then I moved to Manchester <laughs> for five years, five, six years, and then Brexit happened. So, and uh, I like Europe a lot, so <laughs> <laughs> I moved back uh, to France uh, to, uh, to, to uh, escape um <laughs> this part <laughs> of the UK, although I like the UK a lot. But um so um so in Manchester I ha I was an academic but I had a nice role as a director for social responsibility, which meant that I could also be a bit more hands on in implementing sustainability in the university. So 
um, that was a, a role that I really liked. Uh, now, in, in Paris, I'm the director of uh, the Schema Center on Sustainability, which is rather new center, but it's a, it's a research center. So we have around 30 uh, scholars uh, working on sustainability. Also, some of them that, of course, teach on sustainability, do some engagement, do some funding uh, for sustainability. So that's where I'm at now. <laughs> so learning nice. French also, by the way. <laughs> picking up the language while yes. you're there. No, not picking it up. <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to trying pick it to. up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you now have a more sustainability um, focus, but you said you started out in economics. How did you get into sustainability? Yeah, so I, I did my PhD and did in economics. So as I was at Rotterdam School of Management with one of my, so you have more supervisors during your PhD. And one of my supervisors was in economics, but they also had links with the technical uh, university in Delft. And uh, I was studying um, the introduction of competition in energy markets. So, and the whole idea was uh, there, which I think didn't pan out the way they expected, but it was a European uh, directive to introduce competition, meaning um, um, you have all these large monopolies that would be broken up. And what happened is not necessarily that costs would go down, but as a result of that, a lot of new companies started to emerge in this industry. And these were also green uh, energy companies. So it's a bit by accident because <laughs> I was studying something that led to something that I ultimately found much more interesting than just the competitive side of markets. Uh, and that's why I, uh, so sort of towards the end of my PhD already, I started working on uh, green energy innovations. And from that, uh, later on, I started exploring different kinds of sustainable technologies, also with PhD students in Utrecht and in Manchester. So, um, so at that time, it was difficult because this was maybe 2006, seven that I started really to focus on it. And it was... In economics, you have environmental economics, but just looking at sustainable technologies, it was not as common as now, let's say, not as accepted maybe, although we still have a long way to go. But mm. So you feel like uh, sustainability has uh, gained more ground in since you started in it? Than yes, yeah. yeah, I think a lot. Um, the strange thing is, and this is maybe uh, <laughs> something <laughs> I should not say. But um, so in, in Manchester, we had uh, a large program with sort of 550 students or so in business administration. That's how they started in that program. It's a bachelor program, and then they can choose a track. And we had one track that was at some point started that was called Sustainable Entrepreneurship. Um, but at some point, we had one student in <laughs> that uh, track, so they stopped it. Uh, when we would talk about sustainability in other courses, so on entrepreneurship or innovation, then students would be really interested in it, but they don't seem to, to choose it. So on the student side, at that time, I think, and this was 2019 or so, so I'm still hoping that that there will be really more concrete interest from students in business schools in sustainability to actually study it much more. Um, so I think at the master, when you get at the master level, it becomes different. But I think in terms of 
scholarship and academia and so researchers looking into sustainability there i think there has been a huge growth in the last say maybe five uh, seven years or so so also positions opening up for doing a phd in sustainability lots of projects i think in that sense uh, it has grown and also journals that were traditionally into academic journals in which we publish that were traditionally on strategy or innovation start to focus much more on sustainability than than 15 years ago <laughs> so there is there is movement towards more sustainability also in journals and yes. everything right? yes yeah that's good um I was thinking we could talk a little bit about uh, what you've been presenting today, um, words like the uh, energy systems and uh, the smart grids and everything. Could you just uh, give a li little yes. thoughts about this? Yes. Um, yeah. So what I so after I did my PhD, I uh, started to focus a lot more on green. Innovations and because I was quite familiar with the energy industry by the time it took me six years to finish my PhD, I couldn't stop writing. So usually you do this in four years. So I have a good knowledge of <laughs> <laughs> the energy industry as a result of that. Um, so I started um, investigating more green innovations, but really in the energy industry. And so there are several sides to it. It's of course you can study. Uh, renewable energy, the adoption of renewable energy. So I've been doing that. I've been looking at uh, characteristics of investors in wind energy, for instance, with uh, uh, former colleagues in Utrecht. Um, but at the same time, we started there a project, a smart grid uh, pilot project, where we could work with local entrepreneurs who had um, electric vehicle sharing companies, solar energy companies where they put solar panels on the roofs, companies that um, implemented energy efficient appliances in uh, consumers' homes. And we looked at how you can connect all these technologies and use them efficiently. And we used to uh, develop uh, business models to, um, to do that, to do that more efficiently. So after that time, I've been been looking more in these uh, smart electricity grids, um, but also still focusing on innovations in solar energy because there are huge improvements over time in uh, in the technology itself. I've been working with students in um, in, in Manchester, PhD students on um, electric vehicles a lot. So this there's also been a great improvement over time in the adoption of this technology and why mm. does that happen? What what are still the barriers to adoption of the, this technology? So they're all sustainable technology, but they're all uh, connected to sort of the, the energy uh, grid. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting uh, topics and uh, a lot of things that is moving forward uh, yet maybe a lot of things to be done as well yes so uh, in, in one of my lectures I, I mentioned so this smart grid uh, project for the connection of different kinds of sustainable technologies we started that in 2013 and by that time there were lots of pilot projects happening all over the world already and at that time you think well Maybe not now, but in five, ten years' time, we will all be charging our electric vehicle and sending electricity back to the grid to balance 
the grid better and everyone will have an electric vehicle and they will have charging facilities in their home and they will have a solar panel. But that's not <laughs> happened. So it has happened to some extent. I mean, Norway is a very good example of adoption of electric vehicles, but also it's a rich country, so it's heavily subsidized. So that cannot happen everywhere. Um, yeah, so it's always slower than you think. So, and that's, uh, I, 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 I'm not that old yet, but I hope in my <laughs> lifetime to see this happening because, uh, um, yeah, and, and so this summer it was so incredibly hot and there were floods in other places and it's awful that these things happen, but at the same time, I think what has happened is that it has created some more awareness in some places of that this is actually happening, that there is a climate crisis. So I hope that because I've had to live through three months of 35 uh, degrees and every other uh, people living below <laughs> the Parisian yeah. uh, line, that, that that gives some reflection and, and maybe hopefully also... Uh, promote this transition to sustainability more. Mm. Uh, it's a bit awful that that has to be the case, that we have to experience some of the side effects and negative effects, direct negative effects. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. It's it often takes a little catastrophe for change to come. Yeah, I think, it's th this I think this has been the problem somewhat with climate change, that if you don't immediately observe it, you... you yeah, it doesn't affect you, uh, so and, and it's really horrible, but once it starts affecting people, um, maybe some change is happening. <laughs> I know Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully some good can come out of it, at least. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I thought maybe just to uh, wrap it up a little bit, uh, I was just wondering if you have a little something something to give sustainability master students on their way in future academic careers okay yeah. write a very yeah. good dissertation <laughs> that's a starting point uh, or thesis i don't know what you call it here um yeah i think it's the best job you can have so i mean i understand that uh, students uh, want to work for larger companies or even want to start their own business but what i really like about being an academic is that i can decide at any point in time, what I would like to study, what I think is worthy of studying. And you have to really work very hard because in some countries it's quite competitive. Um, but it's worth it in the end. Uh, and I, I really like the combination of doing research together with others, but then also at the same time being able to communicate this research, hopefully in a bit of a less complex form than I've been studying it to to students uh, and to see students reacting to it and to see them engaging with it. So this is really nice. Mm. And I know this sounds very old, but when you <laughs> <laughs> when you get to this, uh, I mean, uh, it, it takes some time. So so doing a PhD is quite tough um, and, 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 and there are lots of lows, but I think when you get through it, it's really um, a very nice career to have because of the explorative, creative, and freedom that you have. Mm. Yeah, thank you. That is a uh, very, very good points on the uh, academic uh, part. 
And uh, thank you for sharing your uh, thoughts and ideas and joining us for the podcast today. Thank you for inviting me.